Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Daniel, we're back. We are. Oh my gosh. So technically it's the first time ever that it's just you and me. We had the episode previously where Alex Baumgartner was a guest because our Alex was, was out of commission day to day. Um, we have the same scenario today. He is playing backseat producer today. Uh, he is around, but he is not in, in the best of shape, but he's soldiering on to be part of the show regardless. Uh, the true true professional that he is. Anyway, Daniel, how are you? Good. Can we say that Alex is in a non-contact jersey or he's just not dressed? I think that's a very good way of putting it. No, okay. I think non-contact like because he's still participating, right. but it's not like to the to the full thing. You know, this is actually like pure two on one podcast, um, like at its core that we're recording during a baseball game and the Jays yeah. just wrapped up. So that's been pretty fun. He's our Charlie Coyle, basically, right now in training camp. I don't get that. What, did Rob, we... Charlie Cole's the only one in a non-contact jersey right now. Is for he? The Bruins. Yeah. Oh, he needs to be healthy because the Bruins... Uh... It led to something that I wanted to say. What? Where projected lines for opening night, because he's a non-contact jersey, that means Jack Stadnika is projected to be their second line center on opening night. I was about to ask, who did he even have down, down the middle beside <laughs> Pat? Honestly, you know what? It's 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 a, it's a topic for another day, but this honestly could be the last year for the Bruins if you think about it because of Pat. We don't know what he's going to be like next year. Anyway, though, so the layout of the show is going to be a little different today because we have so much to talk about. I doubt we're going to get through everything. So what we're going to talk about first is is obviously the Leafs and Habs training camp. We're touch on the preseason game last night, even though it's preseason. Uh, anyway, though, I think to start the show, I'd really like to know, Daniel, you know, looking at the Leafs camp so far, and again, I guess in, in the same breath, talked about that preseason game last night, who's been impressing you from the Leafs side of things? It's been Michael Bunting, and I think that that's someone that we talked about before, where he's a guy that he's going to come in, he wants to play for the city, mm-hmm. and he's just... He's like a hustle guy, someone that you could put anywhere in the top nine. And I, that's what I love about him. Um, I know it was a random hit, but Curtis Gabriel, because I know that he's probably not going to make the opening nine roster, but you like to see those type of guys that coming into training camp and they try to do something. You know what I mean? They try to have a spark. They yeah. Try to, and he, he's just one of those guys that he, he's a high character guy that you like to have around like contending teams. He's so first of all, I'm assuming you mean the the Romanov hit that he threw yeah. between the boards. Yeah, that was that was something. That and he had the fight against I think it was Brad Baddock. Yeah, there's always that sort of like you can kind of compare it to Ryan Reeves or whatever. That like we don't really know what his role is except for he's he's tough. It's probably he's almost sort of solidified that that sort of first call. He's more like an NHL role of what you think Rich Clune maybe. 
Like, wasn't Rich Klune getting a bit too aggressive with Alex Kerfoot yesterday when he was getting a bit too comfortable with the goalie? I don't know. But, yeah, like, again, Gabriel was one of the guys who really stood out just for his pure physicality, right? So, um, another guy I wanted to ask you about, Daniel, was Josh Hosang, because I thought, from what I could bear to watch in last night's game, I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, I I think he's finally going to get the opportunity to to make an opening night roster. He's going to do something that I don't know. I love the quote where like, he'll carry the sticks if he has to. Oh yeah. Sharp and skates. I'll play in the ECA. Yeah. 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 He just wants a chance to play. And it's what we've been talking about all year where like, just let him play. And I think that it's a great situation now in Toronto. It's going to be a bit dicey to see where he kind of fits in because man, those, the, the amount of wingers the Leafs are actually bringing in. And like, we even talk about Nikita Gusev yet. No, we haven't. There's a fair, fair few. Uh, I have an athletic article up here from uh, Jonas Siegel. Great guy. Great name, too. And he has some of the, um, around camp, like some of the lines have been skating together. Obviously, these aren't for sure final ones, especially because Austin Matthews is, is not there. Um, but like some of the combinations he had was like Richie, Marner, Brooks. That can, you can sort of see he's projecting Richie starting on that top line. Um, Tavares was working with Bunting and Hosang. Pretty nice combination. A really fascinating was Kerfoot, Nylander, and Mikheyev. There just seems to be, then later on, there's Camp, Gusev, and Kasha. It seems to be that at least every sort of line coming out of camp in that has at least one guy you know for making it for sure and guys who are just sort of fighting for it. Another guy I was really impressed with last night, it was cool to see Nick Robertson on the penalty kill because if he can sort of get that PK role, you know what? That's another reason to try and keep him in the lineup. You know, we'll see like what actually happens and... I, I think some people were talking about last night. It's probably going to be better if he goes to the AHL to start anyway. But again, the, the Leafs are doing that a lot. Like the sort of skill, like Marner's obviously been a great penalty killer for them. Um, they need a replacement for, for Hyman on there too. So yeah. And Bunting. I like Bunting. I really do. Except when him. he's scoring against Montreal. Though. Okay. But we love the name. I don't know. We love the name. Cool. We love the, he's a Scarborough guy. Yeah, I oh yeah, sure. You remember? Thing, um, I don't. I like he didn't leverage the twenty goals. If you know what I mean. For well, I mean, track. he was a rookie. How many games did he play? Like forty ish yeah, around like 40, there. Yeah. I I don't think he was in the position to be like, yeah, hey there, what are you doing here, Arizona? I don't know how they did not retain him. You need some guys there, but yeah. they don't want to score. That's why. It really feels like they don't. Right. It's gonna be fascinating to see how bad the Coyotes actually are this year. By the way. It really is. Uh, another show, the story that's going on with Toronto, though, Daniel. Um, it was kind of mentioned at the beginning of the year or beginning of, of training camp, and it was it was Morgan Riley being asked about his contract and what he said, and I'm going to paraphrase here. Um, loves the city and all that. We know that. Um, but it's a business. So uh, I'm thinking about all the sort of contracts around defensemen, right? I'm not really convinced he'll get something around $9 million, I think. And this was mentioned on the STP, so I'm a little annoyed to have to quote it here. But the Colton Pareko contract, I think if there's going to be a Morgan Riley extension in Toronto, and I think really, like, if I'm confident he'll end up staying anyway. I think that's a much better comparison. Even, like, if it, I can't see him signing for more than seven, even. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I think that he is the number one guy here, but he hasn't really kind of shown where it's like, I'm going to be that type of guy. On any, on any other team, or I'm not saying like he's a good player, but he doesn't have the acolytes of an individual player to kind of ask, like, I want the 8.5 and above. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. Like, I think worst case scenario is 
they don't get anything ironed out. He goes to the open market and some team that's desperate for um on a for a left hand shot defenseman who could play um top pairing minutes give him like nine million. But I don't see that going on. I think Kyle Dubas wants to get this done before we get to that point. There's a fellow Canadian team that would kind of love that sort of player, and that's uh, that's Montreal. Uh, another really funny sort of option. And so Spencer Corbry is now the assistant coach who's working on the power play for Toronto. Uh, and he's switched up the power play, and I kind of love this. So what he's done is, um, there's no for sure net front presence, but you can believe it's probably going to be John Tavares on the top unit now. Uh, Matthews will still be on the flank for the one-timer option. Other half wall will now be Mitch Martin, or... Um, Sorry, no, it would need William Nylander is taking Marner's spot in that far half ball. Uh, Mitch Marner is moving to the bumper position. How do you think that changes up the way that that league's power play looks, especially finally seeing Nylander on that top unit? I think that it's something that it was a huge strength for them going into like last season, and it did work, but it just it did evaporate a, a little bit towards the end of the season. And then in the playoffs, we didn't see it at its greatest effect. So I think right now, I guess just changing it up, seeing what they can do, and really, in a way, stacking that first power play unit is something that I think that is going to work well for the Leafs because you get that done. These guys are going to play 20, 25 seconds or so. Um, gonna, we're, we're going to see that they could do something with that, and if that doesn't go anywhere, then that's okay. It's that flavor of, of, I remember from the moment John Tavares joined, and it was going to be that this power play is going to be murderer's row. And I remember the first game of the year, I think they went two for two against the Habs. And it seems like every year it's like the pure amount of firepower. They always start off great with the power play. So it's just, you would kind of hope with these changes, like they find a bit more consistency, right? I think the big key is, and like, I, I think Marner's a lot more of a threat in that bumper position. Um, the famous meme of, of Marner has a good shot. Um, the big thing was Matthews was the only real, real, uh, you know, um, danger on the power play. So the big danger, or sorry, the the big change Toronto going to look for is making everyone else, you know, a factor. Yeah, everyone else look good as well. And you know, that's that's the wonder when you load it up and you go like a one three one sort of layout, right? Is is you see it in Washington? You can take up Ovi, but then Backstrom just sends it to to Oshie in the slot, or John Carlson's got the big bomb. You know, although the best teams in the league run the power play like that, and hey, apparently this new guy, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, Spencer Corbury, said he's a creative mind, and you know what? On the power play, that's exactly what you want. Um, anyway. This reminds me, you know what this reminds me of? Uh, what? And I don't like quoting this team, but it just, it was the same way. But it's like the Chicago Blackhawks in their prime mm-hmm. of the Kane Taves era. Their first power play unit used to be Kane, Taves, Hosa, Seabrook, and Keith. <laughs> They're five best players. Yeah. Isn't that crazy, eh? If you put your five best players on the ice at once, you're probably going to score. Maybe. Yeah. Team should think oh. about that. Well, I mean, you know, that's just <laughs> that's just me, though. You know, well, the one I know. I'm not a coach, Daniel. Uh, anything else on the Leafs and how they've been playing so far? How, are you already getting ready to go get your parade route done for Toronto after that first preseason game? Um, Alex is nodding. Yes, thumbs up. I think so. Course, I think naturally. that... We never overreact on one game or one play or anything, um, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty confident that we're going to see each other on what, Young Street? I mean, well, well sure, man, sure. Um, on the other side of things here, we'll look at Montreal. Um, and, I mean, if, if I, talk about the other side of that preseason game. Um, don't listen. Don't care about preseason, people, because it doesn't matter. Uh, and the Habs just got dummied in that game anyway. 
I think the only real highlight was, yeah, Caulfield had some looks, except when he missed that breakaway, but that's fine. Um, before we get there, though, I really want to ask you, we teased it last episode, Jonathan Druin, um, he revealed that a big thing that's been plaguing him is he's been dealing with anxiety, um, insomnia, talked about how they had a, a, a three-game series last season, and he missed all the games, and... Um, it's weird. He almost talked about like it was just his like intensity for the game. It's almost like he couldn't turn it off. Um, but he realized he needed help. Um, he realized he had a problem, and he got it sorted out. Did you see what Josh Anderson said? Yeah, I'm. I'm happy about that. That was that was the one thing I was going to mention. That you know it was a big story that we actually finally got to see Jonathan Drouin back on the ice, and to see Josh Anderson support him like that has been great. And. Mm. That's the one thing when we talked about that intensity. I know he's always had that a bit. I remember when they were talking about him in Halifax, where they had these expectations for him. I remember when he got sent back, and then the World Juniors, they're like, okay, he's the guy that's going to lead the team now. Or, you know, we have McKinnon, we have Drew, and we could do something. And it was one of those players where I kind of feel like it just just keep waiting. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to come. Just keep yeah. waiting. And then there were those glimpses. And then he goes to Montreal and those expectations are still there. And frankly, they've been ridiculous situations for him to exceed mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, okay, it's a big market and they asked him to play center. Yeah. When he's never played it at the national level or that, at the NHL level when I'm talking about, but yeah, no, he was never in a real, I was rewatching some old Habs, um, like opening ceremonies for the home opener. And there was one that was like, who is that? And it was his first season with the Habs because he was on the nine-game trial. And it was Mikhail Sergachev. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot he actually he wore it. And like, there's been this, this sort of like weight of that trade and how Tampa have been doing. You you know how big of a Jonathan Druin fan I am. He When he finally sort of it looked like he was really going a few seasons ago, he gets hurt in that game against Washington. And he just never sort of got it back again. Even last year, he was playing well as a playmaker in that. But... I just wanted to have a good year. They had so Montreal had their uh, red versus white inter squad scrimmage today, and uh, at the Bell Center, naturally, fans were there. Love to see it. And uh, apparently, every time Jonathan Drew had touched the puck, and they they quickly like threw him on the jumbotron. He got a massive applause for it. So that was that was really really cool. The home opener, you would hope that he gets a uh, a massive ovation when that happens because I'm mean, just really great guy. Um, some other stuff around Montreal land is all of a sudden they decided to say hi there. Oh, the dog said hi there, yeah. See, he's not happy because he that, that Mike Hoffman's out for about four weeks before he plays the game for the Habs. Um, and what's that, what that's kind of done is it's kind of put a bit of a question mark around what sort of Montreal's lines are looking like. So far, we know it looks like Suzuki, Caulfield, and Toffoli will be one of the lines, uh, that being probably one of Montreal's only returning lines from last year. Um, Anderson has been skating with Dvorak and Drouin. I think they were aligned at the scrimmage today. Brendan Gallagher is dealing with some personal things. He'll be back for the third preseason game, apparently, per Dom Ducharme. Um, it's I I well, Daniel, what do you what do you think of those lines? Uh, we've seen what Caulfield, Suzuki, and Toffoli can obviously do, but that combination of you know it's it's like okay, Dvorak needs the guys who can carry the puck. Anderson and Drew, and well, every time we see them, they're going from one side of the ice to the other, and you can't stop them when they have the puck. The transition demon is what Arpin Basu called Jonathan Drew. 
Yeah, that's what I really like about that line is there's a it's balance that they're going to have these guys that can skate. They're going to have these guys that can play a two way game that they're going to go back and forth on the ice. And um, it, it really kind of goes with what they're going to be able to do, because we've talked about like, well, it's not at that point yet. I think Cole Caulfield is still going to become that elite scorer kind of guy. Nick Suzuki is going to take that extra step. But what we saw with Montreal last year, and even if like that third line is still a questionable thing, is that balance that you're going to have those two lines that can score. Those mm. two lines you could really rely on. And then a very reliable third line that is a pseudo 2B two, two kind of line that yeah. Montreal could really throw out there. Even if like you say like they don't have that elite type of guy pending Cole Caulfield. It's 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 weird because right now like you can just sort of who's left on that third line winger wise Gallagher and Hoffman what? What's interesting though is is I don't think Jake Evans is spotted. Well, I think let's be honest, he's probably gonna make the team. But the way he's been skating at camp and the group that he's been placed in, he's been put there with Paquette Paling. Um, so Dom Ducharme's been challenging him. The Rottweiler is just not happy. He doesn't today. like the challenge. No, he doesn't. Even though. It's healthy competition. Another guy I really, really wanted to mention. I've been mentioning Raphael Harvey Pinard, obviously, a ton. He had he was very, very good at the scrimmage game today. Joshua Waugh, who I don't think I've even never mentioned before. I think he was a, a pick in this year's draft, has been really, really good. So I just wanted to highlight him. Last thing we're gonna talk about on the Habs front, though. Sammy Niku has been signed by the team. It's a one-year deal. Uh, it's two-way. 750K is the NHL um, thing as well as the uh, the cap it. Left-handed guy has some offensive side to his game. He can skate, but he hasn't quite reached that potential that a lot of people saw him uh, probably have, Daniel. Has some great hair, though. I knew you were going to say that. I was about to mention that. Yeah. Where the, the moment he has a man bun, I know you're going to fall in love with him. And the way I kind of see it is like, it's, there's no risk to this at all. He's the kind of guy where it didn't work out in Winnipeg. I think he was kind of a dark horse pick I had for them when they were trying to balance out that depth on their defense. But I know that he kind of got squeezed out with the moves Winnipeg's doing with the guys who are getting called up. I know that there was that top pairing they had with the moose and um, not with the moose, but um, they had that um, in the AHL with, um, who was it? Oh, Dylan Samberg and Sammy Niku. And that, that one worked out pretty well. But I know that in terms of what the depth is looking at right now, um, it's going to be interesting to see what Sammy Niku is. I know he was a seventh round pick. He was a guy that he was a bit of a surprise of getting to the NHL as quickly as he did, given where he was selected. But mm-hmm. very under the radar, like low risk, high reward choice for the Canadians, especially on that left side D. Mm-hmm. You know what's really annoying, Daniel, is when the chat chat stops telling you that a message has been sent, and uh, Alex has been f- sending me stats here, um, and apparently he's just said that they they've sent Wa back, so they've sent him down, which is very annoying because he was very good today. Um, how dare they? Or am I thinking? Was, oh yeah, there it is. Um, Joshua Waugh, Xavier Simino, and Joe, um, I can't say that last name. That's actually very disappointing. Waugh was really, really good. Wow, I, I'd see, I don't get that. Uh, well, they're being patient. You thought he would have gotten some more games, though, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's really early, like when they usually make these kind of decisions. 
I thought we'd have like the mass send downs. You know, they always have like, uh, like for example, like Hab sent down, and then there's like 50 names. You know what's really f- annoying, Daniel, is I was looking at the roster in last night's game, and some of the guys I saw in the roster, I'm like, that's who we're starting here. I just thought, you know, you looked at Toronto. I looked at some of the names they had. Like, Hosang, guy who's who's going to make the team. Mikheyev has something to prove. Uh, Bunting, they want to see what he's doing. And I looked what Montreal were doing. I'm like, why is, again, Harvey Pernard not playing in this game? Why is Matisse Norlander not playing in this game? A lot of the guys, you'd kind of expect Montreal to sort of push. Paquette was there. Wasn't great, I thought. Paling was there. A little quiet, had some decent moments in that, but I, uh, I don't know. I was, I was a bit kind of confused about that. But you know, Joshua. Wah. There's we'll one thing I, here. I actually was confused about. What? And I know that Alex is not talking right now because um, I just couldn't find verification for it. But like, why is I didn't know why Ronan Amirov is not in the training camp. That's a very good question. Because he wasn't listed as one of the names. Alex is looking it up. Maybe it's a KHL thing. Who knows? Because he signed his entry level, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. He was supposed yeah. to. Was he playing AHL games last year? He went to the game seven. <laughs> I oh. just remember that when he signed, and then he showed himself at the Scotiabank Arena. Okay, the Scotiabank. The Scotiabank. Oh, he's loaned his KHL team. Thank you, Alex. Interesting. Very interesting. I hate how long the preseason is. Six games is too much. We've got like what it feels like like two more weeks of this too of just until the season starts. I I we can't simulate them. No, no. Even when I'm playing Be a Pro, I never play the preseason. I'm above that. Speaking of which, Jonathan Druin grew to a ninety in my Be a Pro. Like he was my line mate. Wow. He walked. He's in Detroit now, so that's pretty frustrating. That always happens. Like in the every time any game, anytime I try a new team. Yeah. He caps out at like an 88 or something, and he never resigns in Montreal. It's so frustrating. Anyway, um, also weird. Weber got traded, and Subban came back. I don't know if it was the same trade, but um, but but it was a thing. But we won the cup, and it was very weird to like see PK. But he got a cup of Montreal. He promised he always would. So um, yeah. Well, Daniel, I will say this though. Uh, we've talked about the teams we care about the most, but I think now it's 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 a proper time to talk about the biggest story in the league uh, this week, and that is, um, as expected, Friedman just sort of casually dropped this on Thirty One Thoughts or Thirty Two Thoughts, the podcast, and on his blog like it was nothing. Uh, Jack Eichel has failed his physical, and is no longer captain of the Buffalo Sabers. I that's tough. That's listen, really tough. It's weird that that he was obviously he's gone, but them actually stripping him and Kevin Adams saying, you know what, the captain is the heart of the team. You know, uh, me sound a little crazy here. I, I like to think I treat my heart with the respect it deserves, and I make sure my my heart is healthy. I saw this really funny Larry Brooks tweet. It's not funny, but it's it's kind of sad, uh, saying vaccinations, player's body, player's choice. Surgery, a player's body, team's choice. We're still in a circle, but nothing is getting saved. But for some reason, the Sabres felt the need. I'm kind of disappointed they've done this. To really be like, you know what? Right before camp, like we need some good news. We've just signed Rasmus Dahlin. Eichel stripped at the sea. Um, it's just, it, it, I don't, it's not like I disagree with the move, but I'm just shocked at it. And just kind of disappointed with how the way the Sabres have handled us. 
Yeah, it's like they admit that they want to move forward and they want to try to rebuild something a lot better than they tried to before. But it's just another thing where it's like it's holding them back. It's in a th- mm-hmm. it's a it's like the biggest thing that they can't get over it for some reason. And I don't know. It just kind of makes me think like what were like the backroom conversations like on this like it kind of sounds like oh you failed your physical okay you're also like not only did you fail your physical you're not going to be here on opening night but you're not the captain either no i hmm. this is a tweet from nick kiprios by the way uh quote eichel has made it clear that he's willing to go anywhere to facilitate a trade one of half dozen teams involved uh tell me a trade is doable as long as the Sabres are willing to add condition clauses around how he performs after surgery, i.e. games played and scoring. We've seen a condition or two. I think the most complicated one was between the Lucic and James Neal trade. It was like Neal had to have like something like 11 games more. It was super complicated. But I, I had a question that like he comes back in this timetable and that. That sounds like a very complicated trade to make. Yeah, especially the way their contracts are because... With Neil and Lucci's, there was a great amount of term, but Jack Eichel's even more. And mm-hmm. it's it's also about the caliber of the player. Like, what are you going to say? Like, he plays, scores like 20, 30 goals or certain amount and, you know, we get an extra pick or something. And is it, does he have to play a minimum of this year, depending on if he gets the recovery time and like compared to next year and... It's just without it adds another layer of like, okay, it looks like people are trying to make this trade happen, but it just adds sort of more twists and turns to trying to actually pull the trigger on it. Listen, like, I know that they want to maximize the value they want for Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. As, as you at, should. At this, yeah, as this point, though, if you get more than Anders Bjork in a second round pick, I'm fine <laughs> with it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, in terms of the quality they've had on this team and what they get back, like, I think anything is going to be better than that. So they want four assets is sort of the sound of it. And you would say, okay, maybe he, like if you're the Sabres, you kind of hope a high level roster player and a prospect two firsts, like for example, like if you get half of it, like if you get a first and an A level prospect for Jack Geico with all this, with how the situation is right now, I think that's a win because he has no value right now. Yeah. If he's healthy, then all of a sudden it's like, okay, but the Sabres are trying to dealt, or sorry, they're trying to deal damaged goods. And it's like, yeah, I, I trust me, I understand how good Jack Geico is. We all do. And, you know, obviously, I'd love the Habs again, for example. But you cannot justify trading the likes of Cole Caulfield in a deal. And no team, I know we laugh at the Rangers, but are you going to give up a good prospect when you don't know what Jack Eichel's health is? like? And how do we know if he gets traded to another team? Are they going to agree with the surgery he wants? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so complicated. I think it's eventually not going to be the four-piece thing. I think that's what they want. But mm-hmm. I could kind of see it being like, I don't know, like a one or two solid roster players, not like a top line guy. And then maybe like an A minus or a B plus prospect. Tate Thompson, <laughs> Vladimir Sabotka, something like that. I, I'm thinking of the Phil Kessel to Pittsburgh trade. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know that there was a bit of that immediacy to get it done, but I could see a package like that going the other way in terms of especially with the amount of term that is left 
just for comparison's sake, Alex, can you just send a link to just what exactly the Kessel to Pittsburgh trade is? Because just off the top of my head, but it was a, a first captain with a bud part of it. Um, now like, see that, like that first gets flipped for Spalling, really? Yeah, at Scott Harrington. And like a conditional second that eventually went back to Pittsburgh because of like some weird thing with Dan Winnick. Oh, I was going to say that or probably goes back to Pittsburgh in one of the many trades that the Leafs and them have made. <laughs> Maybe went back in the Kapanen and trade. Who knows? Just a very fascinating trade. It's really funny, by the way, that all these years later, of all these blockbuster trades that Matt Duchesne has probably fetched most for the team that's traded him. Um, yeah. That's what I don't get. I think that's a cautionary tale, too. Like, no team is going to try to do something like that to get someone like... Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's a comparable because Matt Duchesne did play relatively okay. It's just... He just didn't want to resign. Yeah. Uh, hold on, because for some reason, I try and click on that, and it's not opening, so I'm just going to quickly Google it, um, because Zoom seems to hate the way that we try and operate here. Um, so, Phil Castle, pretty good player. Remember him? Not as good as Jack Eichel, but, I mean, dang, he was a pretty good player, wasn't he? Uh, uh, wasn't he? So, and no, I don't want the one that... No, don't send me... Okay, anyway, whatever. We okay, I'll, do the ca- I'll, I'll go to Cap Nothing friendly. is... Nothing is working. No, I did it, and he gave me the one from Boston. Okay, never mind. He sent me the cat-friendly one. Okay, there it is. Okay, sweet. So, Phil Kessel. I love how every trade with Phil is just seems to be kind of complicated. Um, so, Toronto acquire Scott Harrington, Nick Spalling, Kasperi Kapanen, um, a pick they later traded to become Frederick Anderson, um, and the third, and then Pittsburgh get Kessel, Erickson, Biggs, and a conditional... Second and some other spare changes, some picks, and some conditional stuff in there. You're not gonna say the names. Casper Bjornfist. Oh, okay, there he is. Oh, I thought you said Tyler Biggs, right? Okay, I just want to make sure yeah. Tyler Biggs was said on this this episode. Do you want to go ahead and do the Leafs legend bit? No, I don't know. He kind of that one actually really does still hurt me because I remember when, like, we all love Brian Burke on this show, but I remember yes. when they're like, you gave away John Gibson and Ricard Raquel. And then he's like, even if I could redo it, I'm always going to get the bigger guy. Fair enough, man. I wonder if probably, too, if that was his quote deal, like he he called to make the deal. Because uh, I don't want to say another story of reading his book, but read his book. He talks about like the thing of if – and obviously like he wanted to make that trade. He wanted Phil because he felt Toronto needed a star player, which, okay, cool. He wasn't we content like with Alexei Ponikarovsky and Matt Stajan leading the next wave. Sure. So, um, by the way, going back to that Larry Brooks trade of, um, it seems to be, what's really weird is, so there are some players that I'm calling this the COVID camp segment. Um, we know about some players who are not fully vaccinated. Maybe some of them are just not vaccinated, period. One of which is Tyler Bertuzzi. What's sort of significant about that is Steve Eiserman said, well, it's his choice. Um, what's kind of fascinating if you want to use that word, I'm going to, is it feels like players are getting vaccinated, A, for the money, uh, and B, this is such a hockey thing, for the team to not let the team down instead of being vaccinated. Um, I just thought that was that was something. So here's who we know so far. Um, there is a, a Devils player who is a significant name. Apparently, it will change their roster. I don't think it's been confirmed so I'm not going to be like, oh, it's this player. Um, Zach Ronaldo, who the Blue Jackets had made clear, okay, you're not showing no, it, it is the Blue Jackets, right? Who said, mm-hmm. okay, you're not showing up. Uh, I mentioned Tyler Pertuzzi. Uh, 
Bold Wild out of the Islanders, who you haven't heard of and neither have I. Um, quoting US about World Junior Legend. Drew something on his Instagram about human rights. I'm sure Lyman Rebel's gonna love that. Uh, Travis Hamanick, which is a really strange one considering he opted out of the bubble, which is yeah. just weird. Um, and and Josh Archibald. If you're a longtime listener of the show, I bet Alex really wishes he was not sick right now so he could just go off about this right now. Um, and Mark Spector has an amazing article on Sportsnet about calling out Archibald for how selfish he is. Now, what sort of what's kind of a, like really a big problem that you see with Archibald is if you kind of look at the Oilers, um, this is a quote from Elliot Friedman from Ken Holland. Unfortunately, Alex Stalock is unlikely to play due to COVID heart related conditions. Very tough to hear. And apparently they had to sort of push Duncan Keith to get vaccinated. It's just a little um, disappointing. I guess I'm going to use that term here, Daniel. To see Archibald sort of not going for it. Um, and I think he's one of those people, like he had a tweet saying that like, COVID's actually a big... It's not even that he's like a denier of the vaccine. He almost seems like the kind of guy that's like, no, this is a conspiracy. Why one of his teammates are, are out. Yeah, that's... it's uh, For me, that's super selfish. That's something that... You know, if, I remember NHL teams like we're not going to really call out these guys, but I think you really do have to know like who these certain players are, where they're they're really putting a lot of what what's been like the last two seasons that we've seen, and even going into this current season, is that the amount of work, the amount of money, the amount of effort that's been put towards keeping these players safe, towards ensuring that the games continue, are like. Like what? Like what? Further proof do you need as a hockey player, as a professional hockey player, to say that it's my right and I don't, I don't want to do this, even though I'm going to put others at risk, even though I'm going to put myself at risk, I want to put my family at risk, and you know, you you're playing in Edmonton, you're playing in Alberta, you're not exactly in the best province right now dealing with COVID. But they're going full capacity. <laughs> yeah, like. That, that's also like, you know, if there's anyone listening here right now from Alberta, we're really wishing you the best right now. I know that it has been crazy right now, especially with the ICU and like the lack of nurses right now. Some of the stuff like it was a quote. I feel like the exact verbiage of it was a bit sort of contorted, um, but that they did that their ICUs actually have room for people. There's room because people are dying. Um, there again, there were people that, and I'm paraphrasing the way it was said, but there were people that sort of like made it sound like someone was being very insensitive talking about it. But, and I want to say that they, I don't remember exactly who, but some health board going to Alberta and saying, can you not go full capacity? Like you look at Quebec, what's really funny is their numbers weren't going crazy when the Habs had like massive crowds outside the Bell Center, but recently they've been going up and they're not going full capacity. Vancouver aren't, you know, Toronto, I, or I think it's max at 10K. Um, mm-hmm. Vancouver aren't going to be full. Can I give oh, one I example? The, the Blue Jays play in an open dome, yes, right? Yes, yes. And they're still only at 50%. Yep, yep. That's, it's something, man. I mean, if, if that's their decision to make, I, I wouldn't make it, but we'll see i know um, there was one joke well it's, a, not a, it's not a joke but like it's just one thing where a lot of people were talking about no adults were talking about like yeah we don't want to disclose who the players are that do not want to get vaccinated and like the next day steve eisman's like yeah it's tyler bertuzzi eisman just doesn't care 
He's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's this guy. Hey, why'd you, why did they trade Alex Nedeljkovic right now? You're going to have to ask them that. <laughs> Iserman does not care. Remember when he like openly ripped the lottery? Yeah. And it was like, yeah. And then there was like a brief month where the NHL were like, why don't we just give them a 50% chance? And everyone else like, no, please do not do that. Uh, the uh, Detroit, they're going to they're gonna have some fun players this year, right? Moritz Sider. Um, interesting players. Um, some other sort of stuff around the Oilers I wanted to quickly mention here is um, Duncan Keith is apparently not fully vaccinated. Again, he will be by the start of the season. Also, when there's William Nylander, but Nylander is much different. Apparently, it was a an allergy thing, but he will be fully vaccinated uh, as well. Uh, and also a little note that, you know, pertaining back to the goalie situation, on 31 thoughts, uh, thought number 20, if you're interested, um, Elliot Freeman did say that he doesn't think Edmonton are, are done in net. I don't think they've been done in net for a couple of years now. I was waiting for that one. Their fans <laughs> hold hope. I want to see the Oilers, like, sports that have been, they've kept throwing up these, like, odds of the Canadian teams who are, who are like, thinking to win the Stanley Cup. Edmonton has the second best odds, and I'm thinking, listen, I... I, I've probably been the most positive one on the show about them, but like, where is the respect for the Jets? I know, right? Like, they have defense yeah. now. Even if Sandberg's hurt, like Brandon Dillon and that. Did no. you see what Mark Shifley said about Brandon Dillon? What did he say? He's like, oh, you always have to know he's on the ice. I just kind of thought to myself, yeah, yeah, Jake Evans is gonna have to look out for you, isn't he? Oh no! Oh my God! I yeah, it's Mark Shifley. But yeah, like that's what I felt like the Jets. Like they are actually a team that's been contending. Like they've they've passed you know the first round quite a few times, and to get that kind of disrespect in a way, like they they were a team where remember we were so worried when that defense basically left in free yes. agency, yes. and then Dustin Bufflin's like, I'm not about it anymore. Dustin <laughs> Bufflin just left to go fish. Yeah, and they quickly rebuilt it. Like I don't think it's of the same quality, but it's still very solid that they could throw out there to help with their forwards. So. And Connor Hellebuck, like, you know, Edmonton Decent. doesn't have that. Decent. Oh, no, no, no. They they wish. <laughs> I mean, David might have a cup if he had a good goalie. Honestly, just, like, goes out there. Because if you look at the Canadian teams, it's like, okay, we don't know what the heck the Habs are. They don't have any mobility in their defense except for Petrie. The Leafs, we don't know what's going on with the left side of their forward group. The Oilers have questionable defense. The big RFAs in Vancouver aren't even signed yet, and there's question about their defense. Um, uh, the Sens aren't bad, but they aren't quite good yet. And who knows what Calgary are? Like, I'm the most confident right now with like, it's the Jets and then the Leafs are second, but I'm just, I don't know. I, I've been kind of unusually high on the Jets the past couple of years, but I mean, not to mention now Dubois is going to have a full training camp and all that under them. So, so that'll be nice. By the way, going back to those RFAs, um, the dominoes have started to fall, Daniel. Yeah. Your guy, Kirill Kaprizov, has signed a $45 million contract. It's a five-year term. The AAV is $9 million. And uh, when speaking to the media, um, this is a tweet from Michael Russo. I'm going to paraphrase here. They asked Kaprizov, were you going to go to Russia? And he said, no, not at all. Never going to happen. And apparently um, the GM was like, don't say that. You're going to lose the leverage in your next negotiations. <laughs> I, li- I like it. I think that they really reached that middle ground because I remember back in March when they were – Bill Guerin was talking about it a lot of times. He actually spoke to Michael Russo on, um, I forgot the name of the podcast, but... Did I call him Justin Russo again? No, you said Michael Russo. Okay, good. good. Justin Russo, a.k.a. Jake Allen. Yep. 
Yep. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it's it was that kind of seeing what they were going to do. Like, I know they wanted the max for Kaprizov. They wanted to go and get as many years as they want because that argument was he is their biggest star since Marion Gabryk. So yeah. once you get something like that, you have to hammer it down and get that franchise player because for as much as we love Ryan, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, I just they don't think they had like that 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 star level kind of play, like maybe Suter to a certain extent, because he had two Norris nominations, but like Parise never hit that as a goal scorer. And to get that for a traditionally defensive-minded team is pretty big, especially a player that's going into his prime. Yeah. I mean, their first line center in Eric Snack, it's more defensive guy if anything. So Kaprizov, put them together. One makes the room, one finishes. I know a lot of people have been very critical about he's only played this many games. He just deal with it. I mean, like they they had to pay it. I think, and it's I'm not going crazy about the number either. As in, like I'm not going to be really mad about it. I just think it's a fair deal, like especially because they got to give up. Like, I it, I'm not saying this. It's five years away, but it it just feels like he's going to leave at the end of it. And still, like here's the thing: at the end of the day, you can't overpay your stars, and he's theirs. That's yeah. all that matters. He is a Minnesota Wild now for five more years. And yeah. Wild fans deserve some happiness. So, yeah. By the way, in, in our in our off-season stuff, not our off-season, in, in, our, in our standings predictions, we can put them above Chicago now, by the way, because oh, Caprizov's back. Yes, absolutely. But again, too, like with the, the window of it as well, like I know that Kevin Fiela is still the biggest question mark afterwards. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, Okay, one thing is Victor Rask's money gets off the books next season, so that's pretty solid. But at the same time, like you're going to have a full season of, and what I've seen from training camps, what I've seen from the rookie camps, is you're going to see full seasons of a Matt Boldy, yep. of a Marco Rossi. That's big. Yeah. So I think that they have that cost control right now to try to get something done, to try to build a contender within those five years. I will say, maybe I'll lower the expectations for Rossi, just because, okay. like, he lost a year. Yeah. And it wasn't just, like, he's coughing like that. Didn't he? Was it, like, a heart? It was, um, was yeah. it a heart condition? Oh, it was. But, like, again, that's still a good player. Like, Boldy's a, another big one. You think about it. You know, you're thinking about Caulfield, Zgrass, and that, Turcotte. Add Boldy there. The American rookies this year. The Calder race should be so exciting. And then here's Byfield, too. Uh, Moritz Sider. It's going to be a really, really fun time. Those young players, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And we're talking about some guys around the Calder race for the past couple of years, maybe some winners as well, Patterson and the RFAs. Uh, it, it really feels like now, and I'll read you quickly a few thoughts from 32 Thoughts, Elliot Friedman, the content king for this podcast. Just a bit of updates in regards to some of the RFAs we have left, a.k.a. Kachuk and the pair of the uh, of Quinton Hughes and Elias Patterson, who apparently are all skating together in Michigan. Just hanging um, out. I love that so much. Um, so, uh, do 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 uh, things can change at any time, but I'm not hearing that, uh, in any of the case, any of these cases pertains to, uh, Kachuk Hughes and Pedersen, obviously. Actually, I heard it in one, but it was denied very forcefully, and he references Matthew Kachuk, uh, saying that Ottawa and his brother were very far away. Um, 
Uh, Brady loves it there. Apparently, Jack Hughes defended criticism of, of Quinn's play and all that, um, be sure, but was also very clear to say that he loves the city. Uh, so what are we looking at? Uh, this is what I can piece together. In Ottawa, they've talked long-term with Kachuk, and we'll see if short-term is necessary to get it done. I'm not sure they're far apart in actual dollars, but it's the structure with the Sens not being a team that gives out much in bonuses. I'm also wondering if another skirmish is over no trade or no move protection. Um at the end of a long-term deal. In Vancouver, both teams, uh, sorry, both team and Hugh slash Pedersen have been grinding hard at almost a daily basis. Sounds like there's a bit of a stalemate in both cases and Pedersen joining his teammate in Michigan. It's believed the Canucks are currently thinking about short-term in both cases. Um, goes on to mention that maybe Kaprizov is now this great comparable for Pedersen. Then listening to some stuff like from Nick Dollywall, Rick Dollywall and all that, it seems to be the feeling right now is Pedersen, if if this is done soon, will be the first one to go. Um, and eventually, Hughes thereafter. But if we're going short-term, Daniel, what kind of contract do you think Patterson gets? Because I, I think Hughes is much more difficult to look at at this moment. I actually don't know anymore because I know that before, players used to be pretty friendly when it came to the bridge deals. Oh, yes. And Rasmus Dallin just got $6 million yeah, that's not per good. season. And you're going to ask Quinn Hughes to take less than that. Like, I don't think I don't see that happening unless like there's another plan to this where it's like, all right, sign for two or three years for this X amount. And Mm -hmm. we'll give you that that full seven years or something afterwards. But, you know, we're in a bit of a bind right now. Can you help us with this? It's interesting that one of your thoughts on this five year deals for both are already kind of set in stone. AKA the five year or six year sort of term ish for Hughes is hi there, Kale McCarr, or any of the big RFA deals. Apparently, I think this was also selling 32 Thoughts, is Vancouver saying, how about the Zach Wierenski bridge? Um, but obviously, the defenseman market has just boomed. Yeah. This is Wierenski's next contract, obviously. Um, and then obviously, we've just mentioned in, in the shorter term is Deline. And for Pedersen, again, Kaprizov is the five year comparable. Um, I, I think it's a higher spectrum of Aho, obviously, because that deal is stupid good. Thanks, Birch. Um, and then you look at the shorter term, and I would say that there is scope there with Barzell. Probably more than Braden points around like 6.5, but you can imagine if it's a shorter term deal, it needs to be around $7 million for Pedersen. So, yeah. okay, there's seven here, and let's say that Hughes wants at least seven. That cuts them real close, as in, like, I don't think if they could move the cap around, they don't have space for any call-ups in that. No, And that's not if they can get it done in those terms. Which, then, when you look at, like, when eventually Bo Horvat would be up in that, the next three years for their cap, maybe even extending to four years, it's not looking pretty. No, not at all. And I'm looking at their cap friendly right now, and I'm looking at, like, who no one is really kind of coming off the box <laughs> anytime soon. Remember when um, they had four guys coming off and they said, hi, Oliver Eggman Larson. You want yeah. that money? I mean, like, okay, the recapture penalty is going to be gone for Berto Luongo. How long uh, is Lufthansa not exactly dead? Uh, just this season at 3.035 million. Okay. Uh, Braden Holtby is only 500,000, but he goes up to 1.9 million next season. <laughs> I love how that was an instant mistake. What about um, what about Vertanen? Vertanen is oh, so fifty thousand this year and five hundred thousand next year. 
See, that may not be a lot in the grand scheme of things, but with how crunched they are right now, that can make a lot of difference. This is pretty funny. Well, it is, well, it, it is great for us, and um, Alex is going to love this as well. Luke Shen has actually term. He ate um, 850000 for two seasons. That's such a weird year. deal. That's not Tucker Pullman bad, but it's like... <laughs> you need to give Shen two years. It's a <laughs> like, one year. Is it a one way deal? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. That's so dumb. I mean, okay, so they're gonna get some relief next year, like Tyler Mod and Brandon Sutter, but that's it. Like nothing else. When is Brock Besser up, Daniel? Brock Besser yeah. is up after this season. <laughs> and it's where the money's yeah. going. <laughs> oh no, they're so boned. The Vancouver Canucks, ladies and gentlemen. Again, and uh, we'll quickly uh, touch on Brady Kachuk here, too. Ottawa. Just give him the trade the money. Just give it to him. Like, no more of this. Like, pay someone. Like, I, I tried defending them against Alex the other episode. But if you're fighting, if you have the contracts for it and you're fighting over, like, bonuses and trade, like, shut up. This isn't the expansion. Give him the money. Give him what he wants. Enough is enough. I think so too, because what we've mentioned with the Sens is like, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to be in terms of all these young guys? And now what we finally see is that they really did hit on their picks. They really did hit on the guys they wanted to get. And it's like, now you're at the point that pay these guys. If you want to win, you have to pay your guys. And I I don't know what they're going to be waiting for. Because like, if they try to think that they're going to go into this season again, not wanting to pay anybody or giving the short-term deal. It just gives that another effect. Like, what are you really trying to build here? Mm-hmm. And I think, and I, this is my speculation. This is nothing confirmed, but it's just, remember when they're like, okay, if Mark Stone signs an extension, he's going to be the captain right away. Yeah. And then he didn't want to stay at all. That was, I. you assume that Vegas deal is exactly what was working probably in Ottawa, except maybe some protection and signing bonuses. <laughs> and eventually, yeah, that, that C as you're talking about. Um, again, we talked about Darlene, three years, $6 million. I was actually looking at some of his numbers, and I feel like we disrespected him a bit last thing. He was, he was on, on, on pace to hit around 40 points, and you know that's like Petrie, like off-year Riley territory. So I think that's actually kind of fair. It still, though, the fact that it's still six and his defensive game is a bit of a question kind of is a bit concerning. But at the same time, they could afford, they're not paying anyone else right now. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Who else do they have on that team that they're still paying? Like, Ocposo, Skinner. Ocposo, Skinner. And, like, yeah, I mean, like, it's just whatever. It's like, it's going to be three years. He's going to have time to prove himself. And I know defensemen take a lot longer, but it's just going to be interesting to see, like, what type of player he becomes. Yeah. And whether or not he actually wants to sign an extension there after he saw what they did with Jack Eichel. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and, hey, they still have $17 million in, in room right now. So it's it's not... And they have a lot of guys coming up in there. I'm pretty sure... Beyond three years, the only one who has term longer than is is Jeff Skinner, <laughs> which is uh, not great. Uh, quick passing note, Robert Thomas gets a two-year deal, $2.8 million per. I think that that's just a fair deal. You know, he was we off year, but if he gets some ice time. Two first names. Can, yeah. Yes. One of the few people with two first names you can trust. Okay. Um, how long have we been going for here, Daniel? I think we went through pretty quickly. Um, 
Yeah, we, we started late, so we're not even an hour yet. So we can we can touch on some of the stuff for the passing notes. There is a lot there, so we're definitely not going to get through all of it today. Um, AKA, first off, Alex Clark, set to be the first lineswoman in the history of the WHL. That is super cool. Mm -hmm. Let's get some more of that at the pro level, please, because you know maybe they'll actually call the game the right way. Oh. Unlike NHL officials today. I don't know if Alex was coughing or reacting to that. Probably a bit of both. Okay. Anyway. Well, I'd like to give her a clap. Both. Yeah, you said both. Uh, okay. Speaking of officiating, by the way, it looks like we're going to get a cross-checking crackdown this year. Wow. I was Alex is celebrating off camera. I saw some of it was like the net front stuff when like a guy at the point has the puck and there's just a guy lower down, probably, I don't know, maybe he'll go in for a rebound or something. And the defenseman just cross-checks him onto the floor. Guy doesn't have the puck or anything. And I just thought... I miss you, Shea Weber, because that's all he ever did. <laughs> like, I'm thinking, like, man, half the stay-at-home defense in this league are boned because that's all they do. It's going to be it's gonna be a shame, man. It's going to be a real shame. I wonder what Ryan Lindgren's going to be doing now in this game. Is that all he does, too? He's a – yeah. I guess, like, he's one example. Like, he's a that solid defensive defenseman guy that I think the Rangers really value because – they have so many offensive-minded defensemen that they have to put Ryan Lindgren somewhere to if balance Truba, it out. If they name Truba captain, I'll be gobsmacked, by the way. I think it's going to be Adam Fox. I mean, that would be a cool pick. He deserves it. Anyone but Kreider, please. Doesn't deserve it. I don't or see do other a, captains. a Gabriel Landeskog. Pull a Gabriel Landeskog. But what do you mean? Oh, like, and just give it to, like... Uh, Alexis like, Lafreniere. Cow yeah, sure, why not? Second-year guy. That's insane. I was only going to say Capo Caco. I'm like, he needs to do something before he who's gets the, killed. Who's the oldest guy? Oh, give it to Ryan Reeves. Could you imagine, like, he beats up Tom Wilson that first game and they announce he's the C? Barclay Goudreau. I don't know. One of those guys. I mean, you want gritty and toughness. I wouldn't be surprised if Reeves has an A. Like, I wouldn't be at all. Because they named Ryan Callahan captain. I remember that. Yeah. Yep. Gritty guy. They've had some weird captains. Some very strange ones. McDonald was good. Yeah. It's really weird to think back to when McDonald was a Ranger, by the way. It feels like forever ago. Anyway. Disrespected him. Yep. 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 By the way, weird hiring. The Blues. They've made some front office changes. The most significant one we're going to mention right now. They have a new vice president of hockey ops. It's Peter Shirelli. <laughs> He's back. Now, 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 let's, let's all, we won't get our hopes up too much because Doug Armstrong has signed a new year, a new five-year extension. So he'll be GM for the foreseeable future. So Shirelli won't be running the blues guys, even though you could probably hope maybe he'd get Griffin Reinhardt for Vladimir Tarasenko. I don't know, but oh um, he's back in the hockey world, Daniel. You know, I know that this was going to happen. There were so many rumblings of him going for the open positions that I think it was a matter of time where he was going to find something wherever it was in management on any team in the NHL. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of interesting where what, what he, what he would influence, like, you know, are you going to let him play, like keep up with player development with like seeing how they could help things with the immediate future or kind of like let him guys, we work, need Zach at, Cassian. Like, yeah. Come on. Or work at the draft table again. Like, I don't know what he was going to, he's going to do or what he's going to influence the most. They're a weird organization, the Blues. It's just funny that since he won the Stanley Cup, Darg Armstrong has done nothing to help the St. Louis Blues. Absolutely nothing. 
No. But that's that's their territory, man. That's their territory. Okay, um, where else are we gonna go here in this magical? Okay, so this is something. So this is thought number thirty-one and thirty-two thoughts. So there are some two very important and noteworthy free agent executives this year. We know Mark Bergevin is up. So is Julian Brisebois. Now, oh. <laughs> now, now, hear me out, Daniel, as I take out my hair tie. Hear me out. So, Iserman, obviously, great player, one of the best of all time, most dynamic, a guy who at one point had like 150 points one year, eventually won a Selkie. Started as an executive in Detroit. Eventually goes, old-style hockey man Ken Holland, eventually goes back after building a championship-contending team. Eventually win cups when he goes. Right? Okay? Mm-hmm. Goes back to that team he was first an executive with. Julian Brisebois. Obviously, one of the best executives when he was a member of, of, of the of, of the Montreal Canadiens, building that, that Hamilton Bulldogs team that won the AHL title. Old man, old hockey guy, Bergevin, builds the team. They made it to a finals. Breezeball has won his cups. I think what he wants to do now is go back to the team he probably grew up rooting for and, and, and fine-tune Bergevin's roster. <laughs> That is losing one of the best defensemen of this modern age injury. A goalie who was 34, like right off hip surgery. I think if you you call up Breezeball, you tamper, you give him whatever he wants, all the money, ownership stake, and he comes to Montreal. I'm going to ignore the part where Jeff Vinnick, owner of the Lightning, said we're going to get it done, and I'm going to pitch the idea. Because <laughs> why I, not? I'm going to use the Morgan Riley quote where, you know, it's a business. So I don't think that there's going to be a, a like one ounce of if Tampa gives him less than what he deserves or less than what he wants. And I think mm-hmm. that, that's a good, that's a good idea. Like I could see it happening. I could see him coming to Montreal and kind of false hope. Oh, of course. No, I don't think it's a false hope. Like, I think like it is a similar kind of thing where like, there are the parts there. There are the young guys that you can really work around. There is, you know, that, fi- that franchise staple kind of guy. Like, I think of a Steven Stamkos, and then I think of a Carey Price. So maybe there's something there that they could come here, get the young guys going, and just really get anything that they can. Because I think one thing what I like about the Habs, and this is the one similarity, and it's not the stars. It's the quality guys they've had in Laval and the opportunities they've had. And we've seen with Julian Breezeball where he'll bring up these guys and suddenly they just they just fit. They just know their role on the team and they compete. Mm-hmm. Julian, come here, buddy. I know you want to. You know you want to. So come on. Come get number 25 with Montreal. We all he, want it to happen. He knows the player development that we need for Gianni Fairbrother. Yeah, of yes. course. Who who has been playing in the Ricky tournament? Mm-hmm. It's not about the rookie tournament. That's where they happened. Was on a pairing with Brett Kulak, our favorite two defensemen. You love to see it. You know, like you don't love to against see each other, though. Sorry, would they be competing each- for each other though? Like against each other? I would listen. I don't think Kulak has a set spot because the team seems to hate him for some reason. But I feel like he's more secure than like. There's a few guys, and I mean a lot of guys ahead of Gianni Fairbrother. No offense, but. He's a few years. How the heck he got? He is making it longer than Joshua Wah is beyond me. I'll tell you that. Okay, 
Something that is kind of sad to talk about, though. Jim Houston has retired from Sportsnet and commentating. Uh, great save, Lulongo. Uh Just a solid commentator. Like, I know people get upset when he gets names wrong. Have you ever watched a broadcast before? I like Formula One. Does David Croft get it right all the time? No. Did we Bob get Cole get it right? No. Hmm? We get it wrong sometimes. Yeah, we get it wrong. I'm just I'm just saying, like, I feel like there were there was a, a pocket of fans that weren't very kind to Jim Hughes in his last few years. And I just so like today Lewis Hamilton won his one hundredth Grand Prix. That's in, that's no one's done that before. That's insatiable. The Englishman. The British man. Oh, the British man, sorry. God save a gracious Lewis. Anyway. So my biggest problem with F1 Twitter, right, is that I am worried that in a generate this new generation, right, is not appreciating the greatness they have with Lewis Hamilton, right? Mm-hmm. So what I worry about is that there is a generation of hockey fans that have sort of missed their Bob Cole. Now, I mean, oh, Bob Cole only retired yeah. a couple of years ago, but you know, like he's known for like you know the feel. I think it was Philly versus the Red Army. They we're going home, yeah. They're going home. You know what I mean? Remember when the Red Army was a thing? Remember the Soviet Union? Oh yes, I remember. I'm just I just I just hope that Jim Houston gets the respect he deserves from fan bases that aren't Vancouver. I think so. I think like a lot of what he's like I guess what he represents, like I know like he's he's an old time guy based on his career as well as a player, but it's such an iconic voice. Like I, an iconic character that we had out there that it is it is weird that you're not gonna hear him anymore you're not gonna see him anymore you know when i was a kid it's a pretty interesting thing like i always knew his voice and his name but it was always weird to me when because i think they do with this a lot more now where they show the live of the commentators and like what they're talking about like they're actually on camera right mm-hmm. and like as a kid i'm like there's no way like his voice and his face like match up like that like it's just i don't know if it was always like weird to me because like it is really smooth and it is like it's great for hockey like i don't know like i don't i'm not gonna bash on the guy i like him he had um a voice for radio he, he really did he was good I'll, I'll miss him yeah it was um it was always cool started the hype video for every broadcast and it's at the end it's the tampa bay lightning on the stanley cup champ he was just really freaking good at his job like people like chris cuthbert do you remember the call, Game 5, Montreal-Toronto, how he butchered it? He's like, ah, bah, bah, it's in! The Habs win Game 5. I've never gotten over that, and I never will. Um, okay, Daniel. Speaking I of which, the- by the way. Sorry? He's retired now, right? Yes. Meaning he could come on to the show. <laughs> Are we going to try and get Jim Hughes? I would love that. I mean, I why not? Why not? He's a dark horse kind of guy where he could even phone it in. We don't have to see him on the screen here and it's still beginning to sound amazing alex just edits in the voice of jim Houston, and it's him smiling <laughs> i would do that uh so daniel do you have the dock open right now i do okay so you see the rest of the passing notes we have to talk about right mm-hmm. i'll let you pick what we finish off with okay um ooh, i want to f- i don't know there are many all- topics Okay, I'll finish off with the coyote stuff because it's it is it is slightly positive than everything else on this. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because it's all pretty negative. 
Yeah, yeah. The rest of it is just injuries, the Blackhawks, and Dory. Everything that that is not we haven't talked about here that is on the passing notes. We will talk about next episode. AKA the goalie extensions. Um, a, probably we'll have a quick thing like next episode about Malkin and Backstrom and how everyone out of training camp is hurt. Um, and in next episode, we will also talk on some of the stuff involving the Brad Aldrich stuff that's just come out. Um, and Evander Kane is still in trouble. Um, but we will finish off. Yes, first off. Alex Galchenyuk, it's not Montreal, it's not Toronto, it's not even Anaheim. He goes and signs a PTO with the Coyotes again. I'm sorry, uh, you know what I mean. He 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 goes back to the the Arizona organization, but this time on a PTO, which is weird to me because I know that there was those years in Montreal where the decline was was pretty evident, but I think this is a team that represented where. He went from a guy where, like, let's bet on him, like, as a solid. Like, I think this is that's the point where he got traded for Max Domi, where he went from like let's try to bank on that third overall potential, to like, okay, we already know what we saw here. Like, let's let's see what we can do. I think like that's that that was where it was because I think in in a sense he was a bit of that throw into the Pittsburgh trade. Yeah, and then remember when he was a wild? (laughs) Yeah. It does. I think people people have sort of thrown around the idea maybe he overplayed his hand. Yeah. I really hope he didn't do that because you're Alex Galchenyuk, man. If the Leafs hadn't had given him that chance, by the way, sorry for my lighting, it's awful now. It's just, it's getting dark. It's, uh, you just think, like, if the Leafs hadn't sort of rebuilt him, he's probably in the KHL right now. Yeah. That's a shame. What's not a shame, though, is that the Kachina, they've rebranded the Coyotes. They've done something that I think more teams need to do, and they brought back a logo that is universally loved with the Kachina. Yeah, not as high as the Mighty Ducks, though, according to our poll. A.K.A. like the original Ducks one, right? Like the, yes, the I put Mighty Ducks. Yeah, yeah I, I reiterate, I, um, you know, I put the details. I put Kachina, Coyotes, and Mighty Ducks. So, you know, the people know. Because people hate the current Ducks logo. I did not know it was the the foot of a duck for a long time. Did you know? Well, I you did. probably did, but yeah. But, just- man, here and there. I mean, like the orange works sometimes. We'll agree to disagree. Who was the guy? There was someone at trade deadline once upon a time. He was having a nap or something, and he woke up, and his girlfriend was watching Trade Center, and he and she told him, "You've just gotten traded to the the Golden D Club." This is basically what their logo is. I forgot who it was, but I remember it was a thing on SportsCenter a couple of years ago. Okay. Was it Denton Heinen? I don't think it was Jen. I think it was... Um, Where's Tynan from, even, before I start making assumptions? Denton Heinen? Is he yeah, like we're, American? Is he? Well, yeah. anyway, I, it was it was a North American, from what I remember. I was about to say, is I thought Denton Heinen was Swedish or something. I have no idea he why. Might be. But... Oh, he's Canadian. Oh, that's awkward. Sorry, just because he played for the Bruins. I would just assume he's... If you're not Patrice Bergeron or Brad Marchand, I just assume you're from, American. Yeah, you, you played at Boston, you, Boston yeah. College, probably. Okay, so next episode, we will... Maybe not all of it, depending on how busy it gets, but I don't know how much time we're going to spend dissecting preseason games. Well, I, I would try my best to make sure we don't, because... Forget the preseason. Maybe we'll talk about Cal Peterson's extension, Elvis Bruce Lincoln's, the Blackhawks stuff again, people being hurt and all that, and what's ever new with uh, the world of Montreal and Toronto. So, Daniel, if you want to quickly go on Twitter 
And then we can just see if we're going to miss anything here before the end of the show. Um, hey, guys, something about the New York Giants. Uh, Eli Manning, you'll love to see oh. it. Beside that, Let's yeah. Let's see. Uh... I think we're good. Do, do, do. Okay, then. With that, guys. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, there's a lot of baseball stuff. A lot of stuff from Donald. Good guy, Donald. Yeah, Donald. Um, okay, yeah, that's it. I see people trying to figure out who the, the Blackwood... Uh, sorry. Who the player in New Jersey who probably isn't vaccinated is and everyone speculating who it is? It's probably Mackenzie Blackwood. Whoops. Okay. Maybe. Well, he... he Someone brought up his Instagram followers and he follows Donald Trump. So everyone's like, ah, interesting. Okay, that's it from us. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Alex for soldiering on and being our behind-the-scenes producer for the day. Hope you feel better. Well, we're going to talk to you in like 20 seconds anyway, but uh, check out Alex's blog, Daniel's stuff for CGRU and the such, my YouTube channel. Sammy Niku video up now. Um... Check out the show on TikTok. Alex is a really good one about the Leafs being back in the Atlantic Division. Really good stuff. Jagmeet Singh must be proud if he sees it. Uh, beside that, check out the show on Facebook, YouTube for a visual experience of the show, Instagram, our own personal social medias, especially the polls that Daniel put up. They're great. Um, tell him tell much how you love them. Okay. Before we go, I wonder, Donald's just sent something to a group chat saying, yikes, and I wonder if this is hockey-related because he sent it to our group chat. A disgusting gesture. Oh, no. Okay, oh, well, the UHL, yes. I have not seen this. Oh, no. Oh, okay. Well, we will talk about this next episode because that is not great. Okay. That explains a lot. Okay, and that's it. Thank you for watching. We love you. We and love have you. a good evening. Bonsoir. Bye.